You're listening to the Star Wars Report's Rebels Roundtable, the official Star Wars Rebels discussion podcast of StarWarsReport.com. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rebels Roundtable, on Twitter at Rebels Round, or through our website, RebelsRoundtable.com. It's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, so strap yourselves in and welcome to the show. Hello everyone, welcome to another in our series of mini-interviews with the team behind the Star Wars Report's Rebels Roundtable. I am one of your regular panelists, Nathan P. Butler, and we're taking the time here as we are gearing up towards Rebels premiering later this year, as we are also wrapping up our coverage crossing over with the Public Forces Radio Network to deal with Season 6 of the Lost Missions of the Clone Wars. We're taking the time here to give you a chance to get to know the individual members of the team. We may have some people coming over from Star Wars Beyond the Films who have never heard RFRN or from RFRN who've never heard Beyond the Films. And we want to make sure that everybody's at least a little bit familiar with us or perhaps more familiar with us as we go into uh, the new era, I guess you could say, with the Star Wars Reports Rebels Roundtables as we talk about Rebels, because this time there's going to be a lot more direct interaction out there with both Facebook, Twitter, and such. For those, I'm not going to tell you where to find them yet again, because you just heard that in the opening and you'll hear that at the end. Now we actually have the opening finalized, so I don't have to say it every single time anymore. With me this time is a longtime mainstay of Republic Forces Radio Network, who we are very happy to see coming along for Rebels Roundtable when we weren't entirely sure at the beginning he was going to make that jump. That is Mr. Dan Beasley. Dan, welcome. Hello, everybody. Uh, some of you may remember me as Darth Rockstar from my uh, debut with RFRN and Star Wars Action News. <laughs> yeah, you've been, you've been around for a while. I think you were with RFRN before I was by quite a bit, weren't you? Weren't you on the ground floor of that pretty much? I was. I think my first episode of RFRN was uh, episode three or four, right there at the beginning. Wow. So you got to, you got to do the episodes about all the uh, early season crap episodes of The Clone Wars. Awesome! Yes, those were the episodes when I wanted to do uh, shove Ahsoka out in airlock. Yeah. So, as part of our mini-interviews here, we essentially have a quartet of questions that we ask to each of our team members to get to know them a little bit better. And not having spent a lot of time with you all traveling to the conventions and things like Celebration and whatnot, there's a lot of elements of your fandom that I'm not entirely as familiar with as I probably should be after us knowing each other for so long, simply because our time spent on Skype is mostly recording or BSing as we wait to record or recording things that wind up in outtakes that were never meant to be recorded. So let's start with the basic question here of how did you personally become a Star Wars fan? Well, I was inculcated at a very young age. Uh, my parents actually took me to a drive-in. For those of you kids who don't know what a drive-in is, it's where you go in your car and you watch a movie outside. Crazy. Look it up on the internet. It's magic. Uh, but I was taken to a drive-in at the tender age of three to see Star Wars in the rain. I, I remember it rained, and I remember the scene on the Tanty 4. That's it. <laughs> those, are, those are vague memories. But from then, I was hooked. We had a family friend who had come into a, a reel, uh, the first reel of, of A New Hope. And we would go visit them. 
and I would get to see that very often. Uh, his reel ended with the escape of the Falcon from the Death Star. So I thought that when C-3PO fell into the wires and uh, said, uh, I'm, I'm melting, this is all your fault, I thought that was the end for a very long time. What what kind of end is that? Does it, it's like... They got away from the Death Star. C-3PO fell down, go boom. The end. <laughs> that's that's hey. disturbing. You got to see this. You're, I got one, to see you're this. one of the, 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 the treasured few who I mentioned in from the Star Wars Home Video Library who I didn't know that I actually had ever met. Someone who actually got a chance to see these based on the old reels that really weren't supposed to get out there into the private hands but still did? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm not sure how he came by it, and uh, tragically, he has uh, moved very far away as I got older, and our family's kind of lost touch, because now I would love to find out what happened to that old reel. Yeah, but, I don't miss him at all, but I don't miss him. Reel. Mm, yeah. <laughs> nice. So that was my earliest exposure to A New Hope. I, of course, saw it in its entirety, I want to say four times, right before Empire came out. And then Empire Strikes Back hit, and I saw that six times when it first came out. And a couple years later, I had an uncle who had a, he was he was the rich uncle. He had a VCR, a Betamax, no doubt, and he had the beta of Empire Strikes Back, and I watched that weekly for years. <laughs> Needless to say, to this day, Empire Strikes Back is still my favorite movie. So for me, it was films and action figures. There's a very tragic story about my very first uh, Hoth Han Solo figure, which my brother threw into a fireplace because he was cold within 24 hours of me pursing it. And it took me until 1995 to replace that figure. I did not have a giant vintage collection. I didn't get heavy into collecting until right after Return of the Jedi, really up until Droids and Ewoks and when things got canceled. Then I got a lot of stuff because Toys R Us had crazy things on clearance. I had to imperial shuttle that i got for like ten dollars it was ridiculous had that for years but 1995 when things started coming back then i became a collector and that kind of re-sparked it was always there if star wars was on i'd watch it if i had the videos any chance to watch star wars i was excited but i wasn't quite as avid because it just wasn't available you know you tell the story and i sit back and Three things pop to mind, all of which I'm sure we probably shouldn't deviate into or else we're going to wind up very far off in the weeds. Uh, one, inculcated. Does that have anything to do with the kid from Home Alone? Two, the shocker that apparently your first experience and Barrett's were similar. I, I, I'm i shocked you both saw the film that kicked off your fandom first at a drive-in. And how on earth does throwing a Hoth Han Solo into a fireplace make a person warmer not entirely sure how that works he, he was a, he was cold it was it was snowy i don't know that's so my that's my brother at the age of two. Oh, okay well see you didn't see the two-year-old thing is what is what <laughs> does it. i was just thinking is he saying dan was cold or the brother oh, was cold is he saying oh, that han was cold that's why he han was dressed was, like that so he was warming up han exactly i searched for that figure for three hours until we found his melted carcass in the bottom of the fireplace <laughs> and you thought he smelled bad on the anyway there um, you go all right, all right. Uh, second question, and you mentioned the collecting here, so this may be uh, kind of a, a, a looking for an, an expansion upon an answer that I kind of already have, but second question is, how do you generally express 
your fandom? Is it collecting? If so, what specific types of things? Do you do any fan fiction stuff? Any costuming? What types of fan style activities do you do to express your fandom? Well, um, let's see. I used to be, before children, we'll call that BC, I used to be a rabid collector. I was almost psychotic about the number of figures, all loose, well, mostly loose, that I had to have. I needed to have a squadron of X-Wings. I needed to have a full flight of TIE Fighters. I had hundreds of Stormtroopers because... I was, I guess, overcompensating for my youth when I only had a couple. It's like you never only saw one or two stormtroopers. They didn't fall down and then get back up off camera. Well, they did get up back up off camera, but that doesn't count. So I had to have a lot of stormtroopers, shelves and shelves of figures, every ship, and then multiples of fighters. It was, it was worse than <laughs> Arnie's rule of three. It was a lot worse. But as kids came along, I scaled down and kind of turned my focus to my true love, which is Bounty Hunters. I know everybody's the Bounty Hunter thing, but my first EU novel was Tales of the Bounty Hunters, and that that hooked me. Well, actually, that was my fourth. My first three were the Thrawn trilogy, but that's another story. But I really got into the Tales from the Bounty Hunters, and that led me to the other Tales books because I just loved the way the stories were developed, a backstory for a character you saw for a few seconds, but they were fleshed out and they had these amazing adventures and I really liked them. So the main focus of my collecting is bounty hunters and to a lesser extent EU stuff that I really like. So I have a few gentle giant mini busts of bounty hunters. I have my only carded figures are bounty hunters with the exception of a comic two-pack that I have signed by one Nathan P. Butler that I, is one of my pride and joys hanging on my wall. But mostly it is the books. I love the expanded universe. And thanks to recent developments, now I have an ending point. So there will be a point where I can have all the books. But that is, I have shelves of novels and boxes of comics. I've started to convert my individual comics into the uh, trade paperbacks and the bigger collections but it's the written stories and and the expanded universe stuff that uh, that is where my focus is i enjoy expressing my fandom <laughs> it's kind of weird i enjoy the uh conventions a lot i've only been to celebrations two three and five tragically uh there were developments that kept me from attending six, and there's just no way I can make it to anything west of the Mississippi. So that ruled me out for one, four, and now seven. But I've really enjoyed those. I, I've hit a couple of the smaller Comic-Cons. Uh, Cincinnati Comic-Con is starting to build up more and more. They're actually going to have a few better-known folks this year, so I'm hoping to attend and maybe meet up with some folks that I have met through the forums and being part of RFRN because that's always that's a great treat meeting other people that have the same passion that enjoy just getting together and for lack of a better term geeking out never been much of a costumer my my wife would kill me <laughs> now you know you can just go for something that doesn't take 
quite as much time to make not not a full set of armor. You could go with the slave light. No, no, don't no. go with the slave light. Don't do that. See, Nathan, uh, if you'd been there at Celebration 5, like we all tried to coerce you, you would have known that I went up to several slave lays and asked them if they would take my picture. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a dare, and I never wanted to pass up a dare. Somewhere out there, there's someone who is still <laughs> probably creeped out from that. Probably. Uh, all right, so, and actually, this is one that uh, I find... An interesting question. I mean, of course, they're all interesting questions, but this one in particular, because so far in getting everybody together to talk about Season 6 of The Clone Wars, we haven't had a chance to really get your thoughts on it yet, as we're trying to get the arrangements made to be able to pull off our uh, our last episode of that, or at least the fourth arc. Who knows if we'll do an end cap to, to bring you in and Mark in all at the same time, which is you know a beast and a half scheduling-wise. But now we do have what sort of amounts to an, another end point, which is an end point of the Clone Wars. Now that we have the five regular seasons, the film, and the Lost Missions, what in theory is the full breadth and scope of the Clone Wars, what are your thoughts overall uh, on that series now that it is all pretty much said and done? Well, I have to say I am crushed that my Thelma and Louise prediction for Ahsoka didn't come true. I was very disappointed. But that being said, I feel that as much as I had a little bit of anger and mixed feelings and, you know, it was a running joke, which EU novel is going to get flushed this week by Filoni. In the end, it's not that bad, really. And I can't believe I'm sitting here saying this six years later because I wasn't sure how I was going to survive being a fan of it after the first season. But, you know, in the end, there were some great stories. There was some weird crap. I can't even remember the name of the arc. I've tried to block it out so hard. Which arc is that that you're thinking of? The uh, father, the son, and the daughter. Oh, the Mortis trilogy. Mortis, yeah. We don't talk about Mortis. It, I hate that. <laughs> Other than, you know, the occasional weird stuff like that, it was great. And then the way... Season 5 ended with Ahsoka. That was brilliant. She walked away. And did she come back in Season 6 at a D-point? No. She didn't, right? No, she actually... Well, she shows in a vision to Yoda, but that's it. She actually walked away. Right. She doesn't come back. There's no, oh, I'm sorry. I was kidding. I want to be a Jedi again. No, she is done and gone. And her ending was great i mean a lot of people wanted to see her falling down in front of a uh a smoking clone blaster but she shuffled off she's off you know doing whatever she's doing and we can go right into episode three brilliant loved it and then this lost chapters this season six or whatever they're calling it i've actually liked these stories even the mace and Jar Jar's story wasn't as horrible as earlier Jar Jar stories were. So all in all, Dave Filoni has actually held on to my fandom, and it wasn't just because I had to watch it for our FRN that I sat through now six seasons of Clone Wars. Now, I guess I should ask here, because you're another big EU guy, as far as going through it and reading pretty much everything, as you were mentioning there, one of the things 
that I found, I guess, sort of shocking to myself was the point when I reached the realization that of the earlier version of the Clone Wars that we got with the novels and the comics and the Guinea Tartakovsky stuff and the Clone Wars cartoon series by Filoni, Lucas, and company, that there came a point where I realized that really if it came down to it, I had reached the point where if they were to discard one or the other in favor of the other, that I would have been okay if it had gone either way. That all of a sudden I wasn't quite as beholden to the comics and the novels that came before 2008 and was willing to accept this new version of the Clone Wars as what happened, so to speak, even if it meant possibly seeing some of the other stuff get completely dumped. Did you reach that type of a point uh, with this, or is, is it still something that remains somewhat of an unresolved mental issue for you as an EU fan? There was a point in Season 4 when I came to the realization that despite every word to the contrary and every protest that, oh, this is all going to work together, Everything that had been written, the great Clone Wars comics, the awesome books. I mean, I'm a huge Republic Commando fan, so them just kind of scrubbing that all away is kind of painful. It's a little painful. But, you know, I accepted that they were probably going to go with everything in print about that period was kind of be, you know, what if? A nice side story. This might have happened. This might not have happened. You know, we talked about it a few times, Trek and Marvel and all these guys, they have all these alternate universes where this stuff happens. Star Wars is one of the only ones that everything has to find a sequence and happen chronologically. And season four, people started dying that were still alive in books. People were still alive that were dead in books. Things were just going crazy. And I just had to accept Clone Wars was kind of its own thing. And it was T-Cannon was just, you know, subpar of movies. So it was going to kind of be law when it came down to it. And it was either accept it or you know be angry about it all the time. And there were some good stories coming out of it. So I couldn't be mad at them. Oh, I don't know if you couldn't be. I mean, you know, Greedo. Yes, we said Greed. No. Right, and this brings us to basically what amounts to our last question, but also the time in which you get to sort of pay, play fortune teller here in some respects, because we don't know a whole lot about what's coming with Rebels. We know bits and pieces. We've seen the introductory clips of the characters and stuff like that, um, but not a single Rebels story has been produced that we've actually got a chance to see at this point, whether as the cartoon series or any kind of spinoff stuff at this point. So what is it that you both expect and hope to see from Rebels, the Ballywick of Rebels Roundtable? Well, I'm hoping to see new stories. And fortunately, there's not a whole lot that I'm going to sit there and say, oh, well, you know, that book they just completely trampled on. And we know that they're trampling on everything before it all doesn't exist. And I know I'm going to keep harping on this probably forever now. But there's not as many stories in that era, so I don't think that's going to bother me as much. And I'm, I'm interested in seeing what they do. In, in Clone Wars, it wasn't all, at the end of each story, it wasn't, oh, look, we're the Republic, we're great, we won, yay, happy, happy, everybody's great. We're looking at the fledgling rebellion. There's going to be 
some defeats. There's going to be some times where they're running and hiding with their tails between their legs because that's what they did pretty much until Jedi. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to kind of the darker, not not dark times. Your daughter got kidnapped and eaten dark, but maybe not all happy, happy. And yes, I know it's Disney. They're going to they're going to do their Disney thing. But still, this is kind of I mean, Obi-Wan Kenobi calls it a dark time. But these are the dark times, so not all the stories are going to be, yeah, we did it, we're going to get that empire. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing the grittier piece. I'm looking forward to, I'm sure they're going to run with the Boba Fett coming into his own. We might even see, you know, some early interaction with some of our heroes. I don't know. Looking forward to definitely seeing Vader kind of develop. I mean, Kids got to like him a lot as Anakin, and now we're going to go from that to Vader. Much less friendly of a guy. I don't think we're going to see any any nicknames or anything coming out of him. Traumatize the children. See, this was your hero. (laughs) Well, yeah, there's that. Now, are we positive that, given recent events, as you referenced there, the whole new books and comics and so forth will now be canon on par with the film's and uh, the previous expanded universe is legends and sort of this alternate timeline type of approach and such. The fact that you want to see these early butt whoopings of the rebellion, are we sure that is not some kind of subconscious desire to see uh, Disney released characters get a beating? <laughs> only, only if one's a mouse. Uh... Okay, just making sure because you know, could have been a little bit in there. No, not at all, actually. Uh... Unlike a lot of older folk, I'm not that... Well, I wasn't. I'm kind of a little upset now that all my books are being made what-if stories. That's a really big bookshelf of what-if kids. But <laughs> I'm not... Wasn't that angered by the Disney takeover, buyout, whatever you want to call it. Because, you know, let's face it, George goes 20 years between a trilogy and then they're kind of... What just happened in episode what what did that thing really just fart on that other stupid thing so you know <laughs> my faith's a little shaken by what happened with the prequels so you know maybe getting somebody who has kind of a habit of making good movies a hand at the wheel might not be a bad thing and i mean come on disney's doing really good with marvel if they followed the same kind of line they might have something here and, you know, there's a whole Boba Fett movie thing coming. That's, that, that's got me excited. So I'm not entirely mad at the mouse. I'm just antsy. And these recent announcements make me a little more antsy. <laughs> All right. Well, Dan, thank you very much for joining me for a little mini interview this time around. Thank you for having me, Nathan. And, folks, you'll be able to hear one more of these coming soon with Jen as we wrap up our mini interviews and sort of our preview coverage here, be sure, of course, to check out the feed uh, that should, at this point or very soon, be up on iTunes, uh, where you can pick up all of these episodes and keep track of the show as it is being released. To interact with us through social media, just make sure to check out the Facebook and Twitter links that are discussed or mentioned in our closing and opening credit bits here. Uh, with that, we'll wrap up here. Thank you for listening, folks, and good night, everybody. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Wars Report's Rebels Roundtable. Interact with us online at facebook.com slash rebelsroundtable or on Twitter at rebelsround. Also be sure to visit rebelsroundtable.com when looking for an episode directory of the show. The Rebels Roundtable team is proud to carry on the legacy of Venganza Media's Republic Forces Radio Network podcast. We invite you to visit republicforces.com's archive section to hear many of the team members' thoughts on the Clone Wars, droids, Ewoks, and the Clone Wars micro-series. And check out Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official Expanded Universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com, hosted by Nathan and Mark, which you can find amongst the Second Airborne Division podcast network on StarWarsReport.com. But movies, action figures to a lesser extent, I was I was excited when they came back in 1995. I didn't have a giant um, crap. My mind just went blank. You didn't have a giant, and there's so many things I could say, <laughs> but I'm going to let you be the one to finish that sentence. Shut up, him. Uh, <clears throat>